Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. With each message and series from Pastors Tim and Nathan, we hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the message. All right, Liquid Church, let's go. How y'all doing? Man, it's so good to see you. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so stoked to be wrapping up this incredible series. Uh, It's been a blessing to my family. I hope it's been a blessing to you and your family called The Chosen, where we've actually been able to take film and faith and have them flow together. And you know, The Chosen is the first ever crowdfunded multi-season TV show about the life of Jesus. And it is binge-worthy. It really brings scripture to life through cinema. And you know, I feel like it's given dimension to these characters that maybe you kind of miss when you just read it. So, you know, I was binging Jesus, <laughs> like the rest of your family, and it's been incredible. You know, uh, Pastor Tim kicked off this series with a message about cultivating childlike faith. Then Pastor Kyra preached a message about Mary Magdalene, where we learned that Jesus can deliver you from your demons and then deliver you to your destiny. And then uh, we talked about Nicodemus, who, whose message was, you must be born again. And then last week, Pastor Jonathan Wilson shared an incredible message about Matthew, the tax collector, called going from cages into community. And guys, I, we've got some exciting things coming up. I want to let you know that next weekend is our vision weekend. Pastor Tim will be sharing our big vision for 2021. You don't want to miss this next week. So do whatever you got to do to watch this service with your family, your friends, your loved ones. It's going to be incredible. But today, we're going to be wrapping up our series with one of my favorite characters in The Chosen. Actually, this guy is probably one of my favorites in the Bible. His name is Simon Peter. Now, I'm going to be referring to him as Simon and Peter. He kind of went by both. He was actually one of Jesus' OGs. You know what I mean by that? Original 12 disciples. He was part of the inner circle. In fact, today we're going to look at how Jesus summoned Simon to follow him. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 3 to 11 just to kind of frame the context for you. Jesus' preaching and teaching ministry is starting to take off, and people are having a hard time hearing him. And so he sees these two boats. And starting at verse 3, it says this. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper, and let your nets catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, "We, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help uh, brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So this story is often called the miraculous catch. It was actually the the very incident that propelled Peter to leave behind his boat, his friends, everything familiar to follow Jesus. He became part of that inner circle. There was a 12 and then there was an inner circle from that 12 of those three. 
You would think that a God who was so close to Jesus would be incredibly spiritual and holy. What of Jesus' most elite disciples? But that's actually far from reality. And if you study scripture, you realize that Peter has a lot of character issues. He's brash, he's rash, he's a little impulsive, maybe cocky, headstrong. In fact, the writers of The Chosen bring out these qualities by saying, no, no, he's not just a fisherman, but he is a bare-knuckle brawler. Check this out. Stay down, Simon. Suck dirt if you know what is good for you. Joseph, you're too powerful. Seriously, I can only take maybe two. One. One more punch. One more and I'm done. He says he's had it! Stop fighting every week. I know you never trusted me, but I love your sister more than anything. I will stop fighting you. You will? But my brother won't. Your brother? Ooh, that looked like it hurt. <laughs> now, in the Bible, there isn't a place where we find Peter in a UFC match. Believe me, I've looked. But the writers of The Chosen introduced Peter to us in this way because, listen, this is the guy that took a sword and hacked off the ear of a Roman when they came after Jesus. He was the guy that said, Jesus, I got your back until the end, but also the first to run away and deny Jesus. I mean, he is impulsive, impatient, angry, prone to violence. Yet this is the guy, this is the guy that Jesus chose to lead the early church that gets invited into the inner circle. But when we first find Peter, he is immature and what I would call spiritually shallow. Now, most of us, when we think of shallowness, we think, oh, man, he's so shallow. She's so surfacey. They don't care about anything substantial. And it could mean that, but that's not exactly what I mean here. I'm really talking about shallowness from a developmental perspective. It may mean that there are places in our lives where we still struggle with sin or there's some blind spots because of our own brokenness. Maybe you know people like this, like, you know, you know that they love Jesus, but there's a lack of awareness of maybe some of their sin issues or immaturity. For instance, maybe you meet someone at church, and man, you know they love Jesus. They love God. They have a heart for people, and, and they're, they're so loving until you see one of their posts on Facebook. And then you're like, yo, that guy's a racist. What, the, what is going on here? Because the truth is they may not even be aware of what's going on beneath the surface because they may have Jesus in their hearts, but they got grandma in their bones. You guys know what I mean by that? It means the way we respond to the things around us are still through the ways have been taught by our family of origin or the culture that we grew up in rather than the way of Jesus. And listen, we all have those areas. We all have those blind spots in our lives. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I relate to Peter. You know, maybe not in the bare-knuckle boxing way. I'm more of a lover, not a fighter. But, you know, take that whole, you know, speak first and then think last. Like, that's totally me. I remember 
Um, when I first met my wife, before we were married, uh, we met working at this nonprofit in Boston. And I had just gotten hired as a program director, and I had these kind of staff counselors underneath me. And so uh, my wife, before we were married, she was like uh, one of my, you know, people that, one of my direct reports. And I thought she was beautiful. I thought she was stunning. And so I wanted to impress her. So any, every time, you know, we would talk about, I'd be like, you know, I, I really think I'm the right fit for this job. You know, uh, you know, I applied, and, and, and you know, they were really impressed with my resume and my temperament, and, and I think this is going to go really, really well. And so I would kind of talk like that and kind of be braggadocious, and, and this went on, like, for months. <laughs> and, you know, after we'd gotten to know each other a little bit more, finally my, my, uh, my wife, you know, she wasn't my wife yet, but, but Jackie says to me, I gotta tell you, the, the way you've been kind of talking about this situation is not actually how it went down. I was like, what do you mean? Well, first off, I had actually applied for the same position that you're in right now. And when I saw all the administration and all the headaches, I'm like, I just wanna work with people. I was like, I don't want it, you can give it to someone else. So I was the runner up. Like, I was in second place, and at that moment, I just wanted to die because I had been, like, bragging about how great I was when really, man, I was just, like, so embarrassed because I was acting like a puffed-up, arrogant jerk. And this was a picture of my own emotional shallowness, which sometimes shows up every now and again. But can I ask, does that resonate with any of you? Maybe you're like me, you know, maybe you got some emotional shallowness where you speak first and think last, or maybe you're impulsive. You're like, you're more of like a ready, shoot, aim kind of person when it comes to work or planning activities. Or maybe you're spiritually shallow. Maybe on Sunday you're like, yes, I love Jesus. I'm going to stand with you, Christ, no matter what. But when someone at work criticizes your faith, you, you might shrink back, say nothing, even to the point of maybe downplaying that you're a believer. And then, you know, just how Peter felt when he betrayed Christ. In that sense, I think we're all a little bit like Peter. And it always makes me ask the question, why in the world would Jesus choose him? In fact, why, why would Jesus choose any of us? And I think a big part of it is the posture that Peter had Towards Jesus. Let's take a look at this passage again. Look at verse 3. And I love what this verse says. It says here that stepping into the boat, Jesus asked Simon, remember, also known as Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. Now, I know what some of you are already thinking. You're like, Pastor Nathan, I know why Jesus chose Peter. It's because he owned a boat. Like, clearly the Bible says I should own a boat, and I don't know if your wife will buy that. So, <laughs> but I really think what's interesting is that Peter said yes to Jesus. He actually said, Jesus, come on the boat. He, he didn't try to stop him. And it says that he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. So remember, all these crowds are gathering. They're following Jesus. And, and, and so Jesus is trying to teach them. They can't hear him. So Jesus actually gets on the boat and sits. And the Sea of Galilee, it's interesting, it's got all these cliffs all around it, which act as a natural amplification. So Jesus is speaking and he's turning up the volume to 11. That's for all you Spinal Tap fans out there. And so as this is happening, it says that when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, go out where it is deeper. Someone say deeper. And let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Translation, Jesus, stay in your lane. Like, Jesus, you're a carpenter. Maybe you talk a little bit about God, but you are not a fish consultant. Okay, this would be like if you worked in IT and your yoga instructor was telling you how to code, right? You'd be a little annoyed, right? Like, what you, there's no stretching in this, right? 
But what if there's more going on with Peter than simply fatigue from fishing all night and catching nothing? In the television show, The Chosen, it actually portrays Peter as actually being in trouble with the Romans. You know, historically, fishermen in Galilee faced enormous tax pressures because everything from the wood they would use to build their boats, their boats, the, where they fished on the lake, what they caught, all that stuff was taxed. So the writers of The Chosen imagine that Peter is in tax trouble. He owes all this money to the Romans, and he's in danger of losing his boat and his house. And they imagine that Peter has now this tension with his wife. Her, her mom is sick. She wants to move in. And at this point, Peter actually has to confess to his wife that things haven't been okay. They've actually been really hard. He's been lying. And then she asks him this direct question. Check this out. I lied. What do you mean? I've been fishing on Shabbat because I've had no choice. Andrew has texts. I've got texts. We haven't been able to keep up. I did some things I'm not proud of to fix it, and now it's gone bad. And we're in trouble. We? What do you mean? I, I'm in trouble. But we, because I need a miracle, or I can be in big trouble. I'm not a child. Stop speaking of riddles. Tell me what's happening. I could go to prison. We could lose the house. What? You cut in my ear. It's from a Roman. Simon! If I don't catch a ton of fish or get some help somehow, they'll arrest me. Or kill you. They are Romans. Yeah, so I need to go Go now. where? The fish, I gotta spend the rest of the week doing nothing but catch every fish I can and hope I can fix this somehow. So that's why we can't take your Ema. It's just not possible. No, right? she has nothing to do with this. I would not let you punish her for your sins. Eden, you can't do you this alone. can't tell me what I can or can't do. You have had your eyes closed around here, and God is with me, even if you aren't. Sorry. Where is your faith? You know, while the scriptures tell us that Peter was married, we don't know who his wife is or if this scene ever happened, but I think this is a powerful picture of what happens when we live spiritually shallow lives. It doesn't just impact us. It actually impacts other people. Simon's shallow spirituality led him to try to fix all the problems around him. He, he was trying to, you know, be self-reliant, and he ended up pushing God out of the picture, which is another trait of spiritual shallowness. We do it on our own without God, which led to his wife asking this question, where's your faith? What if that's the question Jesus is asking you today? Have you ever been in a place where shallow spirituality, it's just not working for you anymore? Where what you did once worked so great, but now it's just not. And you kind of hit a wall and you're like, how do I break through? Everything you've done isn't working. I know what that's like. In fact, I've kind of hit that recently. You know, guys, if I can be honest with you, during this pandemic, it's been a lot tougher uh, than I've realized. Um, I'm an Enneagram 7, if you know what that means. It means I can basically find a silver lining in a silver lining. Uh, everything is awesome all the time. So when this pandemic hit, there was so much change and loss happening at the same time, it was almost overwhelming. Like I had this rhythm of I would drop my kids off at school, I would go to the gym, and I would go to the office, and in a matter of days, my kids were at home, the gym was closed, and the office is, 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 is closed. And now I am my kid's teacher. I am Mr. Nithin. <laughs> and at first it was fine, you know, like, hey, we can do this. We'll make the best of it. This will be fun, kids. Uh, but after a couple weeks, it wasn't fine anymore. I started feeling 
parental fatigue, right? You're just so tired of this. Like everyone is there all the time. And here's the thing, you know, in a crisis, maybe at first our shallowness doesn't come out, but when we're under pressure long enough, it starts to rear its ugly head. So there would be, you know, teaching my son, you know, spelling, and then all of a sudden I'm just blowing up on him. I'm going, why, why am I so angry? Like, you just misspelled a word. Like, what is wrong with me? And I, I would then start to feel like a failure as a dad. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm yelling at my five-year-old? Like he's in tears and, and I'm just so angry? All because he spelled a stupid word wrong? And I'm feeling anger and I'm feeling shame for feeling angry. And I can't even help my son with his schoolwork. And with all that pain, you know, I'm thinking, okay, maybe what I'm supposed to, you know, I'm a pastor, right? Maybe I'm supposed to crack open my Bible and, you know, see what God is doing on the inside. But that's not what I did. I cracked open my freezer and opened up a pint of Ben and Jerry's. So I'm binging Ben and Jerry's. I'm binging another season of The Office. I'm going on Amazon to see if I can find something. Just trying to numb just the pain and the shame and the anger. Because, you know, whenever that would happen, I would do something that would make me feel happy again. And it wasn't working. What, what once worked to kind of numb the pain that I was feeling, it wasn't working anymore. It just wasn't working anymore. And in that moment... I was like, okay, what, what am I supposed to do? And I kind of wonder if Peter felt that way. Peter, who was fishing all night long, who was working faster, stronger, harder. Peter, this expert fisherman, he couldn't catch anything. And right when he's about to give up and pack it up, he encounters Jesus. And I, and I love to see, to see what happens. Let's look at verse 4. In fact, why don't we read verse 4 out loud together. Ready? Now, go out where it is what? Deeper, let down your nets and catch some fish. Go out deeper, Peter. Don't stay in the shallow end any longer. There's a miracle I want to do in your life, but, but if you want to see it, you got to go deeper. How many of you know that Jesus is always calling his disciples to go deeper? And look at the results. You, you know, even Peter, when he gave a little bit of pushback in verse 5, where he says, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Eventually, Peter said this. He said, but... If you say so, I'll let the nets down. Then look what happens in verse 6. It says, And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boats, and soon their both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Well, let's just pause for a second here. So, so Peter's on this boat. Jesus is like, go a little bit deeper. Peter's like... Sure, Rabbi, whatever. And he throws his nets, and all of a sudden, he's almost getting pulled off his boat because of all the fish. He's like, yo, James, John, I need your help, guys. We got all this fish, and they're pulling this fish up. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I, 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 this is amazing. You know, Jesus, you should be on Wicked Tuna. Well, think how much money we'd make together, right? It's a miracle. It's this big catch that Simon Peter almost missed out on. And when he realized it, 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 the scripture says that he falls to his knees before Jesus. And he says, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. This was incredible. Peter said yes 
at Jesus' invitation to go deeper, and he experienced a breakthrough. Check this out. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. this scene because I, I love seeing the amazement and relief on Peter's face and even the delight on Jesus's face. But you realize that Peter almost missed his breakthrough, but because he went deeper, he experienced the miracle. And guys, the true, the invitations for us as well, Jesus invites you to go deeper. But what does Jesus mean by deeper? You know, I think Jesus means more than latitude or longitude or geographic coordinates. Deeper doesn't just mean memorizing more facts and ideas or having certain experiences, but it actually means he wants us to go deeper with him. He's talking about, in this passage, deeper trust. If you want to go deeper, you have to trust God in ways you haven't had to trust him before. We have to learn to trust that God is bringing us in a process of transformation, a process where we start in the shallow end and he is moving us into deeper waters. And Peter was learning that deeper trust meant in order to trust God at that deeper level, there were three qualities he had to grasp to have deeper trust. And the first is deeper obedience. Deeper obedience. You see, when Jesus asks Peter to go deeper, Peter, you know, remember his response? He's like, you know, Master, um, we worked hard all last night. <laughs> we didn't catch a thing. Because, guys, Peter was an expert fisherman. He's like, I've been fishing all night, Jesus. We ain't, we ain't caught nothing. Peter's like, I got a PhD in fishing. I can catch them all. I can catch trout and tuna and salmon and goldfish, whatever. I can catch them all. 
But instead, he took this crazy risk, and he went out and obeyed Jesus, and he said these five powerful words that can change your life. It's, but if you say so, in fact, why don't we all say that together? But if you say so, I will. But if you say so, Jesus, I don't get it. I'm, I doubt that it'll work. I don't even understand. But if you say so, I will. You know what that's called? Obedience. When my eyes don't see it and my feelings don't feel it, but I hear God say it, so I'm going to do it anyway. Do you ever wonder, why did Peter change his mind? Why did he listen to Jesus? You know, the text doesn't tell us. Maybe Peter was being impulsive again, you know, acting first, thinking later. But I think Jesus saw that quality, and Peter's like, I like that. I, I could do something with that. I can work with that. Because remember, while Peter was the first guy to hack off someone's ear, he was also the first guy to jump off the boat and walk on water. Gosh, I really wish at times I was more like Peter. Because, you know, when, when this pandemic was happening and God was inviting me to do a deep dive, I didn't want to go there. Like many of you, I was tired. I was exhausted. I'm like, I don't have the mental capacity or the emotional capacity to go deeper, Jesus. I can't open up my Bible. I can open up the book of 1 Ben and 2 Jerry. It's good for my soul and my stomach. Mm -mm -mm. But if, you know, if I'm honest, even when I wasn't, you know, yelling at my kids, I still felt that anger and shame. This, it was this low hum in the background. And those emotions started to leak. They started to pop up in areas. And I'm like, ah, I, I don't have a handle on this anymore. I can't keep faking it. I'm not making it. And so a few weeks ago, I started to see a counselor. I, I knew that I needed to go deeper behind, beneath the surface. But can I make a kind of an embarrassing confession? God told me to start seeing a counselor a year ago. And unlike Peter, who, you know, because, I, because you said so, he went and did it, I just said, you know what, God, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I had some Ben and Jerry's. I'm set for the day. I, I just kept pushing it aside, pushing it aside, delaying, 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 until finally just the pain, the frustration got too much, and I finally did it. Guys, you need to know that delayed obedience is disobedience. And guys can tell you, uh, counseling, it, it, it sucks sometimes. It's challenging. It's hard. You've got to go deeper than you've ever gone before. I've got to be more honest than I've ever been before, more self-aware than I've ever had before. Guys, when God tells you to do something, you don't need to just pray about it. You just got to do it. Just like what Peter said. But if you say so, I will. So can I ask, what has God been asking you to do that maybe you've been putting off? Maybe you've pushed it aside. Could it be time for you to revisit it? That God's maybe telling you you need to forgive someone in your life, but you're like, I don't want to do that. But because you say so, I will. Maybe God's telling you you need to start a new business, but like everyone else is folding. The economy's really difficult. But because you say so, I will. You see, if we want to grow in the deep end, we have to have deeper obedience, just like Peter did. But we also see that Peter had a deeper repentance, this is the second way we see Peter dive deeper in his relationship with Jesus. You know, after this miracle, you would think Peter would go up to Jesus and give him a big old bear hug and be like, hey, Jesus, you want to join my crew? We can, we can catch more fish together. But look what he, how he responds in verse 8. He says, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. 
Peter has this realization of who Jesus was. And he actually falls at his feet and he acknowledges, oh my gosh, you are the Holy Lamb of God. Guys, whenever we have this encounter with Jesus, we realize how perfect he is, but how broken we are. That Jesus is holy and pure and righteous and we are not, and we need him just like Peter did. You know, one of the ways that God brings us deeper is through a process called repentance. Say repentance. Repentance means turning away. It means I'm going this way. I am thinking this way. I see the world this way. But Jesus says I need to think this way. I need to act this way. I need to see things from his perspective. And it means I do a 180. I turn the other way. That's what repentance means. It's like I'm turning away from those patterns of behavior and I'm putting on new ones. I'm turning away from those old ways of thinking, and I'm thinking in new ways. See, Peter was all set to do the things his way, but instead he chose to obey Jesus. And that, that changed everything for him. It's that realization that we're so deeply broken that we are in need of Jesus to change us. In fact, this next scene, it's probably one of those powerful scenes in The Chosen where Peter confronts both himself and experiences the love of his Savior. Check this out. My brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe, but my faith, how sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. last time you prayed like Peter did, where he said in verse 8, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Where literally you fall on your knees on the floor and you're crying out to God because of your shame and your brokenness. It's all coming to the surface just like it did for Peter. When we experience the glory of who God is and his love for us, and I'll be honest guys, it's been a long time since I've prayed like that. My prayers have mostly been transactional, like Jesus, I need you to do this for me. I need that, this and the other thing rather than gaze in his eyes and experience his power and his love. Guys, do you know why this is important? Not only do we need to go deeper in our obedience and then deeper in our repentance, because here's the truth. God can't use you until he breaks you. God can't use a man or a woman until they get to the point of total and complete reliance on God and not themselves. See, while, while Peter is waiting for, for Jesus' judgment to fall upon him, really, he's revealing his deeper purpose. See, Peter had a deeper purpose that Jesus was revealing to him. And we see this in verse 10, where it says this, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. You see, up until this point, it had all been about fishing, right? Peter owned his own business. He was making ends meet with fishing. But then Jesus shows up in Peter's life and he told him, Peter, you were made for fishing boats. No, no, you were made to fish for people. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, what the heck does that mean? 
I'm sure Peter was like, what, what, is, what does that mean? What, what does it mean to fish for people? You see, Peter was fishing for fish, like tuna and tilapia. But Jesus is saying, I want to use your life to capture the hearts of other people for my kingdom. As I've shown you my power, my power is going to flow through you. And this happens when you get on board with my purpose for your life, Peter. Peter, I'm going to be the captain of your life. I want you to be the first mate. Because you see, Peter, you're a broken man. But on you, I'm going to build my church. See, God decided on this brash, impulsive, angry man that this man will be my rock. It is through the Peter that he preached his first sermon that saw 3,000 people come to Christ in one day. It was Peter who bridged the racial gap in the church in the first century. It was Peter who wrote the scriptures that to this day still speak to us. Amen? Peter was the rock, was the foundation for the church. We would not have our faith today if it weren't for Peter. And now more than ever, we need to come out of the shallow end because if we stay in the shallow end, we could miss our purpose. Amen? Amen. Going deeper is not about who you are. It's all about who you're becoming. It's about who you're becoming, how God's transforming you. It's not about what you do or how you perform. Remember, God wants you for you. He invites you to go deeper. Amen? Can we give God a praise to a God who wants us to go deeper, a God who's not going to leave you where you started, but wants to bring you into your destiny? He's calling you deeper, deeper in obedience, deeper in repentance, and deeper in your purpose. Now, I know some of you are like, Pastor Nathan, I'm ready. I'm ready to tear off my shirt and jump right into the deep end. But, but let me help you kind of think about this, because maybe some of you are like, I, I do want to go deeper. But what, what does that look like? Maybe for some of you, you're just ready to maybe get your ankles wet. Maybe it's that obedience piece. Maybe God's calling you to do what he asked you to do. You don't delay in your obedience. You do it now because you say so, I will, Jesus. Maybe some of you are like, I, I, I'm, I'm there, Pastor. I'm, I've got my, my feet are in the water. What's next? Maybe you got to roll up your pants, get up to your knees, and repent. Maybe there's areas in your life where you're in need of Jesus' transformation. Maybe like Peter, you're stubborn, you're headstrong, you're impulsive, and you actually need to repent and turn away and have a fresh way of seeing the world. Or maybe it's time to get waist deep. Maybe you've been in the shallows and you've been missing out on your purpose. By the way, did you realize that your job isn't just a job? You're not just a businessman or a teacher or a student or a parent keeping your kid on Zoom. God's called you like Peter to be a fisher of men. He wants to use your career, use your job to help advance his kingdom where you are. So can I ask, what are you waiting for? See, Jesus is inviting you to go deeper. Peter went deeper and God used him to lead the church to write scriptures. We would not be the church we are today without Peter going deeper. And so today, God's calling you to go deeper. So in a moment, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come because he's going to reveal to you what that next step is. And then we're going to worship because I believe now more than ever, God needs a church that is a deeper church, walking into depth that can change the world. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Father, right now you're speaking to us. 
And maybe we've been resistant. Maybe we're more like, well, I don't know if that's God or not, but in the name of Jesus, I pray clarity on every heart and mind right now that we would hear your voice and obey you right away. Let our obedience no longer be delayed. And Father, would you show us the areas where we need to repent, we need to turn away. We've been doing things one way, now you're calling us into a better way. And Father, once we walk into deeper obedience and repentance, God, would you reveal our deeper purpose? Lord, you're the one who is inviting us into your purposes for our lives. Father, would you forgive us when we have told you what to do and how we want you to behave, when rather we need to conform our lives to you and your leadership. Would you lead us right now into the deeper places? In your son's mighty and awesome name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening.